Church. Good to see each one of you here today. So glad you joined us uh, in person here for worship. We're glad each and every one of you are here. Well, before we get started with our time of worship, we just want to remind you of two different things that are currently going on here at CBC that we would love for you to be involved with. The first one is Vacation Bible School. Uh, VBS is happening this year. It starts one week from today. In one week, uh, it will be five weeks long this year. It'll be all online. And um, of course, VBS is for children entering into kindergarten through fifth grade. So if you are a parent or know a parent of a elementary aged uh, child, we would love for you to register. It's not too late to do that. Simply go to our website at Cypress Bible dot org forward slash VBS. And when you do that, scroll down to the bottom. That's where you'll find the information and the link to register for VBS. And everyone can be involved, actually. We would love to, for you to help us spread the word about VBS. Uh, in the lobby today, we have a VBS table set up. You'll find little flyers. They look like this. And we encourage you to stop by, grab uh, five of these flyers, 10 of them, maybe 50, as many as you can distribute to friends, family members, neighbors, anybody who has elementary age kids. Uh, we would just really like for as many children as possible to be able to join us this year. Uh, and there's also opportunities to serve with VBS. Even though it's all online, we have a few roles to fill. So if you'd like to learn more about those, we invite you to again stop by that uh, table in the lobby. Secondly, we also want to remind you that we continue to collect pantry items and to toiletry items for Cypress Assistance Ministries, who in turn will give those items to families in need in our community. We've been doing this for just over a month or so, and I am told that we are halfway to our goal. We have a trailer parked out front, and our goal is to fill the trailer. We filled about half of it so far, and so if you'd like to be part of that, you can drop your donation off anytime Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays between the hours of 9 a.m to 3 p.m. The trailer is open during those hours. You just stop on by, the back of the trailer will be open, and there'll be some signs. And so we would be grateful if you would be part of that and help us to fill the trailer and bless many in our community. Well, at this time, as we begin our worship this morning, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts for worship. And to help us do that this morning, I'd like to invite you to consider with me uh, these verses from the Gospel of Matthew. The words will be on your screen as well. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, 
Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, quote, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow, land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, as Matthew quotes from Isaiah, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. This morning we gather to worship the one and only God, God who provided that great light in the person of Jesus. We worship God who is light and in whom is no darkness at all. We worship God this morning who is the father of lights, scripture says. God who can create light simply by speaking and who indeed said, let light shine out of darkness. And as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, God who has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so this morning, CBC, with that light in our hearts, with that light of the knowledge of God's glory, I invite you to stand with me and let us raise our voices together as we worship the living God this morning. Amen. Salvation is here. He lives in me. Let's sing that together. All right. 
Salvation is here. Salvation is here and He lives in me. Salvation is here. Salvation that died just to set me free. Salvation is here. Salvation is here and He lives in me. Salvation is here. He is here. Cause you are alive and you live in me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here and He lives in me. Salvation is here, Jesus. So you are alive and you live in me. Now let your voice ring out. Cause I know my God saved the day and I know His word never fails and I know my God made a way for me. It's gonna be alright, cause I know my God saved the day, and I know His word that saves, and I know my God made a way for me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here, and He lives in me. Salvation is here, Jesus. You are alive, and you live in me. Praise the Lord. Yes. Standing as we uh, look at this verse from Zephaniah, which. Uh, declares what God is doing in our lives, I'd invite you to read this with me uh, from the screens. Zephaniah chapter 3. Let's read together. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, thank you for your great and many promises that you are the God who has provided salvation through Jesus Christ. And so we can say and sing, salvation is here today through Jesus alone. Lord, encourage us today in anything and everything that we are encountering, that we would know the truth of this scripture that says you quiet us with your love. Uh, Lord, in the midst of, of disquiet, and unsettledness, and anger. May those of us who name the name of Jesus be overwhelmed with your peace and love and joy. May there be a quietness that comes from being rested and founded in the only Savior. Lord, I pray that that quietness would would come into the lives of every one of us today who's experiencing uh, turmoil in whatever form, whether it's in relationships or in our health or our finances, whatever it might be, Lord, may we find ourselves centered in you, the one true God, the firm foundation in Jesus. Overwhelm us with your peace and joy this morning that we may be agents of your love in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Take the as you find me. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Come and fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Sing it to the Savior. My Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered. Can we sing the chorus again? My Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is the author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So shine your light, we'll sing that. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh my mountains yes my God is mighty to save he is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave my Savior he can move the mountains my God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose 
shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Keep it going. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Yeah. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh my Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the
You guys can go ahead and take a seat for just a moment. Does God know everything? Why is the world so broken? How did it get this way? Why is the Bible so hard to understand? Why does God let bad things happen? Is the Bible really true? What does God think about me? in the true story of the prophet Jonah, we saw that God knows what he has planned even when we don't. God told Jonah to warn the Ninevites they would be destroyed for their sin, but Jonah chose to disobey. God pursued him and got his attention with a storm. When Jonah was thrown overboard, God saved him by sending a huge fish to swallow him whole. After three days in the fish, Jonah prayed and promised to obey God. God, thank you for saving me. When I had lost all hope, you saved me. I promise I will obey you from now on. Then God commanded the fish to spit Jonah out onto dry land. Get up and go to Nineveh. Preach to them. They're doing very bad things, and I cannot ignore it any longer. Warn them as I told you to do before. Jonah realized it was God who saved him, so Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. Even though he didn't want to warn the Ninevites, Jonah did tell them God's message. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. It was amazing. The people of Nineveh listened and trusted God. They kneeled as a sign of submitting to God and confessing their sin. King, there's a man out in the streets of the city, and uh, he's prophesying that if we don't repent to God, all of us are going to be destroyed. Even the king got off his throne, took off his robe, and humbled himself, sitting on the ground, to show that he was sorry for his sin and leading his people into sin, the king gave a proclamation for all of Nineveh. No one, not even animals, will eat or drink. Everyone, all the people and even all the animals, will wear sackcloth to show how sad we are for our sins. Cry out to God for help. Everyone stop sinning. Maybe God will turn around and change his mind and quit being angry with us and let us live. God saw what the Ninevites had done. He saw how they'd thrown away their idols and turned from their evil ways. And he did spare them. Everyone in the city sincerely repented. To repent means to admit your sin, 
ask for forgiveness and turn away from sin and turn to God. Everyone fasted. That is, they went without food to focus on their repentance. Every Ninevite wore sackcloth as an outward sign of their inward grief and sadness for their sin. Even the king wore sackcloth and sat in ashes, humbling himself in repentance before God. We can see that no matter what is going on, we can talk to God. After three days in the fish, Jonah turned to God. Jonah talked to him. He thanked God for saving him and promised to obey. When warned of their destruction because of their sin, the Ninevites turned to God. They talked to him. They were truly sorry and turned from evil, and God spared them. So no matter what is going on, we can talk to God. I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. We declare this this morning, sing it. Lord, I need you, oh, I need every hour I need my one defense, my righteousness, oh, God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep. Your grace is more, where grace is found, is where you are. Because where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay
my righteousness oh god how i need you we need to talk about second chances this morning uh the reality is that many of us aren't too interested in giving other people a second chance. But when we mess up, we pretty much appreciate that people would give us a second chance. My friend uh, Ed Bretz got some extra chances in his life. Ed was a college friend. Uh, Bretz was the center of our basketball team. Uh, John Bloomer was our star power forward, and I was second string. That The uh, Bloomer, Bretts, and Bukema, that's me, uh, were fast friends for our years in uh, university. And uh, afterwards, uh, Ed went off to uh, seminary. And then after a year or two of seminary, he dropped out and began to realize that uh, he was drifting away from the Lord. In fact, he kind of ran from God. Over the years, he would call me regularly, usually after he'd had too much to drink, and uh, talk about his failed marriages and uh, uh, his uh, pot addiction, he called it, and uh, chasing women. And, and usually at the end of uh, our conversation, he would say, please don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. That went on for years. Then in 2008, Ed called me with the news that he had turned back to the Lord. God gave Ed a second chance, and he took it. I was so thrilled and happy to hear about it. I'll tell you more of that story in a few moments. But as we continue this series on the prophet Jonah, I've called Castaway. It's the record of what God did in the life of this wayward prophet. Uh, we met him in chapter 1 when God told him to deliver a message of judgment to uh, the capital city of Assyria, Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to do that because he hated the Assyrians. They were the enemy of his people. They were a brutal culture. And so he ran from God, wanted to get away from God's presence. He got on a ship and uh, went in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Uh, God sent a violent storm. Uh, but Jonah was so done with God that he ignored any kind of warning or message uh, at that point. In fact, he told the sailors to throw him overboard uh, to save themselves. And that was uh, where we were last week. As Jonah, in this near-death uh, experience from drowning, God sends a great fish to swallow him. And we called that the penalty box, where uh, over the, the next three days and nights he spent in the belly of the fish, uh, Jonah uh, turned back to God and is willing to uh, follow him again. And that's when uh, God responded by having the fish regurgitate Jonah up onto dry land and uh, return uh, to this message. So we go to uh, chapter 3 of the Jonah story. And uh, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So this is uh, the second opportunity Jonah has. And uh, second chances are grounded in the generosity of God. Ancient Jewish teachers say that uh, God does give a second chance, but perhaps not a third. 
Well, actually, Scripture doesn't tell us how many uh, or if any uh, chances God gives us. Uh, when we, but, but when we read about Jonah's second chance, we might just think that this is the same thing that God said to him the first time back in chapter 1. But there are some subtle differences that I want to point out to you that I think are significant. Uh, and by the way, when you study Scripture narrative, and narrative is uh, portions of the Old Testament, the story portions and uh, of the New Testament, when you study those and, and you see repetition, especially if there are differences between the things that are repeated, then, then that variation has significance. So I want to point out to you some of the, the subtle differences here. When God in chapter 1 uh, tells Jonah to preach, he tells him to preach against the city of Nineveh. This time, you notice, he tells Jonah to preach to the city. And as one scholar says, the difference between these two prepositions is enormous. Preaching against means destruction is coming. Preaching to uh, could even mean begging them to repent. So it's a, a big difference, subtly. Another subtle difference is that this time God leaves out the reason for preaching. The first time it was because of the wickedness of Nineveh. The second time, God just says, preach what I tell you to preach. Now, one writer says this is significant because it's intended to prepare us for the surprise ending. And there is kind of a surprise ending in chapter 4. Uh, up until now, we've been thinking God intends to destroy Nineveh for their wickedness. And now we might have some doubts. Uh, maybe God doesn't want to destroy this city after all. Maybe he has something else in mind. And as a side note, this type of call that Jonah has to, to go and tell is quite rare in Old Testament times. Uh, nearly every mission uh, in the Old Testament uh, is to the nations surrounding Israel to come and see what God is doing. It's a call, come and see what God is doing. Uh, here, as is more common in the New Testament, God commands Jonah to go and tell. Now, when a church adopts only a come and see approach to ministry, she misses part of what God has called us to do. The church is to equip and encourage believers so that they go and tell. And that's why we sum up our values with the words gather, grow, and go. We gather for life-changing worship, we grow through life-changing truth, and we go in life-changing mission. So that's uh, God's message to Jonah the second time, and in response, verse 3, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Let me point out to you that the population of Nineveh was, was over 100,000, surely, and could have been as large as 600,000. For 50 years during this time period, it was the largest city in the world. Uh, the word great is used to describe the city multiple times in the Jonah story. Two of those times is by the Lord himself, calls it a great city. So it's great, and it's great in size, and it's great in influence, it's great in sin and wickedness as well. So now Jonah's ready to do what God wanted him to do the first time. It took some trauma to convince Jonah to get there, but when that second chance came, he took it. He grabbed it. Now, let me just point out that God can recommission, reuse, and resend us if we repent. You know, on my best day, I'm not worthy to be used by God. But God is gracious, and he's chosen the to, to use the weak and the imperfect and broken people to carry out his mission to this world. And so when we fail, and when we fall short, when we mess up, it doesn't have to be over. Repentance can change all that. Repentance means to 
change your mind about your sin, to turn from your sin toward the Lord. It's a radical shift away from sin to uh, a life oriented towards God. That's what happened to Jonah. That's what God is calling us to do as well. So now armed with this message from the Lord, Jonah starts out his mission, verse 4. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now I'll point out to you that uh, in English, Jonah's message is translated into about eight words. In Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, it's just down to four words. Um, some have called this the worst sermon ever. Uh, but, but this is God's message he's given Jonah to say. And let me sum it up in four English words. Forty days until destruction. Forty days until destruction. That's the message. And that word uh, for destruction or overthrown is actually a word that God used when describing what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah those cities that he leveled with fire and brimstone. It refers, this word refers to explosive devastation. And that's what God says is going to happen to Nineveh, this evil city where people are violent, they're immoral, they're unjust. And uh, God's warning is, you have 40 days before I turn you into a pile of rubble. Now let's remember, these words are delivered by a preacher who had just been vomited out of a big fish. Uh, he's got to be a stinking mess uh, his skin, as we said last week, may be bleached by the fish's gastric juices. And he has this message that warns of destruction. So this second chance prophet showed up to give Nineveh a second chance. Now if you remember earlier, it said it described the city as one that would take a, a three days walk to get through. And, and, and notice here, it's just Jonah started out on the first day. This is the beginning of the first day. He's just started to preach this message, and it gets a response, an enormous response. Look at the next verse. Verse 5, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. It's an amazing response of the people, and it happens so quickly. Uh, why would that be? Well, a number of reasons. Jonah's a pretty unique-looking uh, preacher, uh, but also if you look historically, during that roughly that time period, the 8th century BC, uh, Assyria had been experiencing all kinds of traumatic things, famine and plagues and a solar eclipse and warfare, and this may have softened people to hear this message. They may have been prepared to listen to uh, what Jonah had to say, but still, that this entire city believed, that's what it says here, they believed that's an amazing miracle from the greatest to the least. This is a total response and an incredible citywide return to God. Uh, and how did they show their belief? How did they show that they were sincere? By fasting and wearing sackcloth. Now, this was not a way to pay off their sin. That, that, that's not. Well, it shows the sincerity of their repentance, their turning from sin. Uh, going without food, fasting, is, it can't pay off sin. But it's a sign of repentance. And sackcloth was a, a coarse cloth made from goat hair. And uh, wearing that was not simply uncomfortable. Uh, it was an obvious show of humility because the only people who wore sackcloth were slaves, prisoners, and the very, very poor. Uh, the, the, the amount of cloth, the sackcloth garment was just large enough for modesty purposes. But it was an outward sign of inward repentance. Everybody was doing it in the city to show that they repented. They were declaring their slavery to God. Now, it goes farther, verse 6. 
When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. So notice a couple things. First of all, the people are already repenting. Be, by the time the king gets the word, he hears the dabar, uh, the word, the message from God through his prophet Jonah. And he responds too. He gets off his throne, he takes off his robes, puts on go underwear, sits in the dirt for everyone to see. And by doing that, he's, he's displaying his own repentance. By his actions, he's saying, yes, God, I've been sinful. I've been wrong. I've been rebellious. And that's the power of God's word. The word, the dabar of God can change lives. The king then issued a proclamation ordering everybody to do what they were already doing, but he extended it. Notice what it says, verse 7. He issued a proclamation. Do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hand. Now, why would the king include animals in this? Uh, and saying, I mean, everybody, all the people are already not eating, they're, not, they're wearing sackcloth, and now you're doing that with the animals as well. And so, I, you know, they're wearing goat underwear as well. What did the goats wear, I wonder? I don't know, this is odd. But it's this out-visible way of demonstrating everybody was involved see god cares about animals too he doesn't place them on the same level as people who he created in his image but god does care about animals joel 120 says the the cattle cry to god and they long for him uh, psalm 36 6 says the the lord saves both man and beast uh, and so this is about the entire city of Nineveh being filled with visible signs of repentance. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're royal or common, whether human or animal, all were turned to God. And the, the call is to stop the violence, which was their love of brutality as a people, their cruelty as a people. See, it's not enough to just say we're sorry. There needs to be some life change. And, and the king's proclamation included this hope, verse 9. Who knows? king says god may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish now in the previous verse the king called the people to turn he uses the hebrew word shub and now he uses that hebrew word again about god perhaps if we shub if we turn from our wickedness perhaps then god will shub he will turn from his judgment that's their hope and this turning had to be real had to be sincere or, or god would never accept it so I just want to think for a few moments about repentance, about what that means and what's involved in it, what's not involved in it. Uh, you might remember the story of Dan Leach that happened here in the Houston area about 15 years ago. Because after seeing the movie The Passion of the Christ, uh, Dan confessed to murdering his girlfriend. Uh, Ashley Wilson's death had been ruled a suicide, but Dan had in fact strangled her, and no one knew that except him. And when he saw that movie he was overcome with remorse with guilt he had avoided suspicion and it wasn't until he turned himself in but then when dan got to court he pled not guilty now think about that for a moment uh you know when we confess and then maintain our fight for innocence we have not confessed at all let me point out to you three signs of real repentance what is repentance about uh, first when you repent you don't blame others Repentance is not about blaming others. I love how the king responds immediately. And then he personally repents. He doesn't 
foist off the blame anywhere else. And yet that's, some, that's kind of a natural response. That's a human nature response. Uh, and it started in the Garden of Eden when Adam disobeyed God's only command. And what did he do? He blamed the woman that God gave him. So he pointed the finger in two other directions. Not me, it's the woman's fault, and it's your fault, God, for making it for me. And then Eve blamed the serpent. It's human nature to blame others. And so if you lose your temper and you say, I'm sorry I blew up at you, but what you said was so wrong. You should not have done that. Or that's not repentance. Or if you were scheduled to volunteer and you say, sorry, I didn't show up, but uh, my wife was supposed to remind me and she didn't do it. That's not repentance. When you sincerely repent, you don't try to pass off your guilt on others or prove that you weren't that bad. Second, when you repent, you don't make excuses. Now, the people of Nineveh were Assyrians. And that's one of the most brutal cultures in the ancient world. So they would do things like when they conquered a city, they would skin people alive and hang their skins on the city walls. They boasted about raping and killing, even the youngest in a society. They boasted about it. Uh, They would behead people and then make a mountain of heads as a warning to everybody else to stay away because we're bad. Uh, So the Ninevites could have said, you know, it's kind of our culture to be violent. And that's who we are. That's our thing. That's, that's, That's how we were raised. It's not our fault. They could have made that excuse. But truly repentant people don't make excuses. They have no excuses. All of us have pain in our lives. Bad things have happened to all of us, and it's easy to fall into the trap of making excuses for our sin, but that's not repentance. Third, when you repent, you don't stop at being sorry. Just being sorry. Daryl Davis has uh, been in the news through the years, so you might have heard his story before. He's a musician. He's about my age. Uh, He says he first experienced racism as a child when people threw rocks at him when he marched in the Cub Scout parade. Uh, Just uh, an astounding thing. Um, But then in the early 1980s, Daryl met a Klan's member and started talking with him. And, And... this started a trend where, where Daryl has formed relationships with many KKK members. and He says it's about trying to untangle the knot of hatred. And Daryl's willingness to open up a civil dialogue with people that hate him has made a difference through the years. And for many of these KKK members, uh, Daryl is the first black person they have ever shared a meal with. And they discovered he's not a stereotype, he's a man. And as a result, this is what's astounding to me, as a result, many have left that organization. Grand Dragon Robert Kelly was the first to be more than sorry. He gave Daryl his clan robes. And over the years, 200 KKK members have done that same thing. They've given Daryl their robes to show that they have turned away from hatred. And I use that to just describe for you what repentance is like. It's not just being sorry that it happened. It's not being sorry that you made some mistakes. It's not being sorry that the other person got hurt. It's actually turning from sin. 2 Corinthians 7 says godly sorrow leads to repentance. In other words, it's not just sorrow that's enough. No, it leads you to repent, to turn from your sin to God. Uh, Real repentance is demonstrated by getting off the wrong road and starting down the right road. Now, the people of Nineveh 
did that. They, they went beyond words and feelings and changed their diet and their clothes to show that. So you prove your repentance by what you do. Now the truth that will make a difference in your life today, in my life today, is to deal with your sin today. Uh, when we turn from our sin and repent of our wrongdoing, it inspires worship and it increases our love for Jesus. And those who are forgiven much, love much. Now notice how God responded to Nineveh. Verse 10. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. As you notice this, God knows our hearts. He knows the sincerity of our hearts. But notice it points out, God, when God saw their deeds. When God saw how they actually responded, that they outwardly showed what was happening inside, then God relented. When they changed direction, God stopped the judgment. Now, it's interesting, historically, this did not save Nineveh forever. I think it's very important that you appreciate this. Um, it only saved the generation that believed in God. The city was actually destroyed, annihilated 150 years later. All you have to do is, is turn over a couple of pages in your, your Bible to, to, to Nahum, that prophet, who, who, who talks about the coming judgment. Why? What happened? What, what, why would this be? Well, because the generation that believed God died out, and their descendants turned away from God. So you can't repent for somebody else. You only can repent for yourself. And, and God stopped the judgment for those who repented, but eventually it fell on those who did not. You, you, salvation cannot be inherited. God has no grandchildren. All of us must make the decision on our own to follow Christ. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross brings salvation to all who believe, but only for those who believe. His sacrificial death is only for those who accept it, who receive it. It's not enough to say, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to turn away from my sin. God requires payment for sin. And that's why we desperately need Jesus. Jesus bears the weight of our sin. On the cross, God poured out all his wrath for sin on Jesus. God poured out all his judgment for sin on Jesus, his perfect son. And Jesus satisfied God the Father's demand for justice with his death and guaranteed it with his resurrection. So if you are in Christ, there is no wrath from God left. You are, there is no condemnation if you are in Christ. There's no judgment left. There's only grace and love and mercy. But don't live under the false assurance that your childhood prayer will get you into heaven. Prayers don't get us into heaven. Jesus gets us into heaven. Only Christ alone. Don't live under the false assurance that getting baptized or walking down an aisle or signing a card will save you. No amount of water will do that. No amount of intense emotion will do that. Only Jesus saves. So uh, l let me boil down what the, I think the practical aspect of what we're called to. I can, I can tell you what God's will is for you today and for me today. Here it is from this story. God's will for you right now is to turn from your sin toward Jesus. That's God's will right now for every one of us. This story urges us to change direction as soon as possible, to repent, to turn to the Savior. Why do we wait? Why do we delay? Well, because we like going our own way as long as possible. And, and if we feel like we can live with the consequences, we tend to live with our sin. But the longer we wait, the harder it is. As, as one person wrote, you can't repent too soon because you don't know how soon it may be too late. And for those of you who have not turned from your self-salvation project and put your complete trust in Christ, today is the day of salvation. 
Your self-salvation project might be, well, you're a religious person, or you're a good person, you do good things, or you, you come from a family of, of Christians, or a, a variety of things, of ways that which you are seeking to, to save yourself, but Christ alone is the way of salvation, and today is the day to put your trust in him. Tomorrow may be too late. And for those of us who belong to Jesus already, whose trust is in him, when we are disobedient, when we, when we do not follow after him and we delay repenting, we experience the loss of God's full blessing. We lack assurance that we belong to Jesus. And, and, and maybe today you're struggling with a lack of feeling of, of assurance, of blessing in his life, and, and it might well be because you need to repent and you are delaying in that. And the healing process in your life is unable to begin as a result. The consequences of your sin become greater as time goes on. So today is the day. Today is the day to repair the relationship. Today is the day to delete the porn. Today is the day to stop the lies. Today is the day to reorient your priorities. Today is the day to confess your anger. Today is the day to end the critical spirit and turn to Jesus. And so for all of us, the message is the same. Don't wait when we turn from our sin, God's grace is there. Now, so, my friend Ed, God gave him another chance, and I was so thrilled to hear that. I was so thrilled over the, the next uh, few years to hear how Ed was growing in Christ and, and his love for Jesus and, and study of Scripture and teaching others in that. And uh, early on, though, he said to me, John, I've wasted 25 years on a bar stool. I've wasted all these years building my business. I've wasted all these years chasing women. And I said, Ed, it's not too late. It's not too late. God can still use you. And over the next five years, from when he first called me in 2008, God did use Ed. And then shortly after I moved to Texas, John Bloomer, the, other, the third of our group, called me with the news that Ed had just suddenly died. He was in an exercise class and dropped dead of a heart attack. Because I just moved here and was involved in so many things, I couldn't fly across the country and attend the funeral. But I was so thankful, and I'm still thankful to this day, that God gave Ed another chance and that he took it. That's God's message to each of us. You may be a long way down the road that distances you from God. Just turn around. And he's there. The sin in your life might be the same one that, that you've confessed a hundred times before. And, and you're, you feel defeated. What's the use? Just turn around. Stop going down that road. Don't wait to repent. The sooner you do, the sooner that healing and blessing and joy and forgiveness can begin and flow in your life. Don't delay. Just turn around. And you'll see the one who is ready to forgive every sin and make you whole. So I invite you to stand with me and, and sing this chorus, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Let's sing this together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth 
in the light of His glory and grace. In the light of His glory and grace. Let's celebrate the victory we have in Him. Love. Be love. 
Praise the Lord that there is victory in Jesus. Thanks be to God. Let me just encourage you again, if uh, you would like, as always, I'm available down here at the front if you'd like to just speak with me or pray together. Uh, Happy to do that with you. Please uh, receive this benediction from 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in peace.